Welcome to the McCovey Croncast. It's 2016, and with you still is Brian Murphy and Doug Brizzoni. And we are here to talk about the news of the day with Giants Baseball. And thanks for listening. We're up on iTunes, by the way, and we have one five-star review. We are essential listening to one listener uh, for all we things are the Giants. Highest, highest rated podcast in iTunes history. That's just That's a fact. Right. That's right. Uh, we are we are we are the Jim Tom Sula after one game of podcasts. We are we are a thousand percent. We're the best. Um, so thanks for listening and checking us out there. And Doug, the big news of the day, besides it being a whole new year now, 2016, is that the Giants have made another free agent signing. Denard Spann, welcome to the Giants. Uh, this is big news, three years, $31 million, and we don't know what position he's going to play. The website said left field, but a lot of the beat writers are saying center field. In any case, the oft-injured but very effective leadoff guy, Denard Spann, is a Giant. Welcome. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to see him here. He's a he's a good player when he's healthy, of course. But he's that's a cheap contract for someone who can be as good as he can be. Um, before last year, he'd been a three or four win player for three years in a row, four years in a row. Like he'd been he'd been on it. He's he's the kind of guy who doesn't wow you necessarily, but he does everything except for hit for power really well, and he's a really valuable player. He makes a lot of contact and he gets on base. He's sort of the platonic ideal of the Giants' philosophy. Uh, I don't. If you listen to the national media, I happen to listen to a lot of MLB Network radio just in my car, and their whole thing is like the Royals' way, the Royals' way. Well, you know, it's the Giants' way first, but whatever. Uh, but the contact, the contact rate is uh, is is impressive, and I think he was only better than Nori Aoki last year uh, in contact rate. Small sample because he only played half the season or like a third of the season. But um, he he's uh, the on-base and the stolen base and the defense in whatever part of the outfield he plays, uh, all upgrades really from what the Giants had and what they have going into the season. Uh, I just – the idea that he's not going to play center field, though, is, is pretty appalling to me. <laughs> Um, it, it is that you don't want to move Denard Spann to play into Pagan in center, but the beat writers are reporting that Spann is going to be the center fielder. They are, they are assuming based on knowledge of how the Giants operate, the Giants that Bochy's already discussed it with Pagan. And so I'm going to go ahead and just believe that because it's easier. And if I'm going to be unhappy about this, I might as well wait till March. Right. And I, I mean, you could look at you could slice this many different ways. The Giants might trade Angel Pagan at some point. They could release him, which I don't necessarily see happening. I mean, in the orders of likelihood, I I see I actually see Pagan playing left field first. Um, yeah, and then I feel that a trade is probably way less likely than moving him over. Uh, and I, but I would still put a trade ahead of Pagan being benched and being like a reserve outfielder. Um, and then I see DFA is even more distant than that. Anyway, I'm talking a lot about Angel Pagan when we're supposed to be talking about Denard Span and how much of a steal this is in a way, if it works out, as Grant posted 
in his article uh, yesterday that, you know, if it works out is basically what the Giants are banking on this season with their three big signings. Uh, he's, but I'm saying he's a, val- he's a value in that. He's a Scott Boris client, so you would have assumed coming into this season, this offseason, that Scott Boris would have been like, well, Denard Spann's been one of the top players in baseball. He should be getting $40 million a year and, and that kind of ridiculousness, and that's not what happened. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit strange. That's the unnerving part about the contract, that if he's worth the contract, you'd think that Boris would demand more. Um, on the other hand, maybe Scott Boris isn't omniscient. Maybe there are things he doesn't know. Maybe there are, thing, there are risks that Denard Spann isn't comfortable with. That's entirely possible. Well, and Bobby Evans could be a great negotiator. I mean, twofold things. So Scott Boris... I don't know how Bobby Evans was able to get someone afraid of birds and fish <laughs> to sign with the Giants. Uh, if you haven't read or heard about this, folks, Denard Span has a legitimate fear of birds and to a lesser extent fish because, what, a, a bird dropped a fish in front of him in the outfield? Uh, and so he's coming to San Francisco where the 10th the man is essentially the seagulls, um, the, a flock of seagulls. And so I don't know. That's going to be interesting because you know that there's going to be a, he's going to get made fun of a lot. Maybe that that's a tricky balance. Maybe he he's got a sense of humor about it, but maybe he doesn't. And somehow Scott Boris was able to tell his client like you're not getting ten million dollars a year from anywhere else except the bird place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it's uh, maybe it's like that kind of therapy where he just has to face his fears. <laughs> It's immersion therapy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Immersion therapy is not a good idea for certain situations. One of those being like, oh, I have a fear of being trapped in my car as it it sinks. And they're like, (laughs) why don't you get in a sinking car and escape? And the other one would be, I'm afraid of birds. So they're like, why don't you play out in in the open where birds will surround you every night? That seems like a very, like a like a very tricky immersion therapy. Maybe Denard spans up for the job. Um, I didn't see that. Would have been funny if that was included in his video that he released to show that he was healthy, the box jumping or whatever exercises he was doing. If he's like, he just like does that George Costanza thing in Seinfeld where he runs along the pier and scatters all the all the birds. He's just like, <laughs> see, I'm fine. <laughs> I can handle the birds. Um, and he's got a hip. He had a hip injury last year, which I believe I said on our last podcast that, uh, or a couple of podcasts ago, you know, hips, <laughs> hips don't get better. They, right. you know, they they don't they don't improve. I should say. So if he's not in pain, I guess that's better. But ultimately, I'm not seeing that he's going to be tremendously great. But uh, he takes good routes to balls. If he loses a step uh, speed wise, I guess you could deal with that because. He certainly understands how to play the outfield better. He certainly has a better outfielder's instinct, I guess you would say, than Angel Pagan. Um, there you go, yeah. bring him up again. But it seems like that's a focal point. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a focal point because for all the the grief we gave them over it last year, the Giants did notice that Angel Pagan wasn't that good. And so they had they brought in somebody who does the things well that Angel Pagan doesn't do well. And who will continue doing those things well, even after, you know, he's lost the the speed that you have when you're young. So Pagan's never really taken good routes. 
he's, you know, he's been okay at, he, when he was healthier, when he was younger, he, he had the speed to make up for it. He had athleticism. He had a lot of really great things, but um, Denard Span has skills that'll age a little bit better. The sort of, I don't want to say intelligence on the field because that's a little demeaning towards Angel Pagan, but the ability to, to sort of instinctively know how to get to the ball a little bit faster than Pagan does. And, and I think they value that because that'll age well. And his on-base ability seems to me to be another, his contact and on-base uh, yeah. seems, you know, again, that was another thing that you're saying with Pagan that you could always, okay, I'll forgive the defense a little bit because he has the ability to hit doubles or home runs or get on base like at a decent rate. Uh, I've always, I always, I thought the trade was a great move. I, I've, I've loved Angel Pagan as a player for what he was, but what he is, we've seen last year we saw in spurts towards the end when the Giants were definitely pretty much out of it, <laughs> that he has that, he does have that ability to kind of show those flashes. But as you know, if you can patch up that hole defensively and perhaps get consistent on base, but you know, you're now taking in the same injury risk. We made so many jokes in, in the short life of our show here about Angel Pagan playing half the season. I guess we're hoping that what, that span plays the other half. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> that <laughs> if we get a break, a breakdown, a split of a season, that, that that's the way it works. And you know, also this move, sets the Giants up for next year. That's, again, if Span can play next year, um, you know, at, at any rate, because Pagan's deal expires this year, um, which I think sets him up as a trade candidate pretty nicely, actually, if the Giants are willing to eat $7 million of that 10 I feel like they can get they can get rid of him and package him with some other guys and get someone decent in return. I doubt Marcelo Zuna. Um, I believe one of our commenters... Uh, on the site said Pagan uh, and Susak and I think Mejia or uh, one of the Mejia, uh, one of the prospects. And I thought, Oh, that, that seems like a decent deal for someone. But I I think the Marlins are selling high on, on, uh, on Ozuna, even though he had a bad year, just because offensively previously he's shown uh, a great skill set. And I saw this list the other day, of of highest contact speeds off the bat and he's one of like the top 20 in in the game and you know I so I think he's the fact that he's young and he's got a pretty decent on base uh skill and he's got obviously some strength some power to him I I think the Marlins know that they can get a lot more for him and so they'll hold out and you know it's the Marlins also they'll ask for the moon and you know they'll ask for two moons and, (laughs) and and so we'll see but in any case, Denard Span. Also, if you look at the numbers that the Giants have put out this year, um, so they've signed four big contracts. Crawford is obviously someone they've just they just extended. But if you add up the numbers that the AAVs of all these guys, sixty-two and a half million dollars exactly. That seems very intentional to me. That that number is exactly what it is. I don't mean to say that they went in going, we're going to do this number but it's such it's such kind of like a rounded cap figure to it that it's all feels very much like very well coordinated very strategic so that's one aspect of it i I appreciate what it seems like as an intentional strategy the other part of it is uh it just seems very much like an offseason that no reasonable giants fan like even the most optimistic fans could have seen coming that the team 
would go this far with trying to patch holes through free agency. It's like what quote unquote normal teams do. And the Giants <laughs> did it. Um, it with two big pitchers extending their own guy and then filling an outfield gap, looking at Pagan, like you said, and saying, like, you know what, we need to get better there. So I'm really I'm I'm really happy about this and I feel weird about that. So. <laughs> right. I'm I'm also very happy about it, which probably dooms the offseason. Um, but for a few years now, the Giants have been in the top three or four of payrolls in baseball. And for me, there's been at least a little bit of a sense of, well, where's that money going? Like right. you're paying it to Matt Kane, who's a shell of himself. You're paying it to Tim Linscombe, who's a shell of a shell of himself. You're paying it to, I don't even know who else, you know, a bunch of millions for Marco Scudero, who's not on the field. And and now you're like, oh, well, th- that's where the money's going now. It's to actual major league players who are going to be contributors right um and that's what rich teams should do and the giants are one of those rich teams you know as a giants fan it's been easy for a long time to forget that they are such a big you know high payroll team because they don't ever go out and get the big name free agents and then this year they go out and they get uh they get a couple big name free agents they sign their own guy they get another medium name free agent who would have been a big name if it's it healthy this year it's really impressive. And so, I mean, the Bobby Evans era has has uh, certainly it's been it's been interesting. Uh, and I and I also this is coming off an off season. This is the second off season for him. But remember, last year it was basically they showed all they put all their cards on the table going into the off season. They're like, we're going to go on a goodwill tour of being world champions. And we're going to woo the biggest pitching name we can find or the biggest free agent we can find. And basically, baseball's response was like, eh, not interested. You guys are a flash in the pan. And, like, and that was it. Uh, and, and this year, they changed strategy. And they, they certainly talked about, they did what pretty much every team does when asked, like, where, what are your focuses? And like, well, we know we have some needs and we'd like to address them if the deal's right. And then that was it. That was really it. And then everything that we heard was sort of, leaks from other people uh and you know and i i can't so the samarja deal was an obvious one uh that seemed like that was going to happen uh there was enough smoke around that but the cueto one that dropped out in the crawford extension um those were like right before they happened we heard anything about them uh and the span deal just kind of came out of nowhere yeah uh the span deal i was on twitter half an hour before it and then i was off twitter for a while and an hour later, I got a text, Giant signs Denard Span, and I had no idea that was coming. Yeah, and all this to say, you're talking about it, just, again, if you're a Giants fan, you can't, it, it doesn't make, it's not logical, it's not even, it doesn't even fit into the irrational fan profile. Your team, our team, whatever you want to say, has done everything they can to improve the team going into uh, the next going into the season and they specifically looked at all the areas of weakness and they they did their very best to address them keeping in mind that their very best included being literally minutes away from signing Zach Greinke so the <laughs> offseason would have looked a lot different I mean maybe they don't get spanned you know I, I don't know I don't know exactly how that breaks down but you know it doesn't seem to me that the that the Diamondbacks went so grossly over the top. 
the difference in the deals is what I'm getting at, that they wouldn't have been able to still sign some other outfielder. Maybe it wouldn't have been Span. But that that was the intention that the Giants had, that they would have had Granke, Samarja, and they would have extended Crawford, and then they would have still gotten some outfielder. Uh, probably It probably would have been Marlon Bird in that case. Right. <laughs> they probably would have brought back Marlon Bird. But you know that's very intentional. So for all the years uh, that we've talked about the Giants doing whatever, and like you said, kind of where's the money going, or just doing head-scratching things or really stopgap, seemingly stopgap measures to sign guys. Uh, we need a first baseman. Oh, we get Aubrey Huff. You know, like that kind of stuff. Uh, from many, many years, uh, especially when Sabian was steering the ship. It's a time to be optimistic. Yes, the the three guys they signed, you kind of have to cross your fingers about that you're going to get the positive trending uh, the positive ceiling for them instead of the disaster ceiling or the disaster floor for these guys. Because there's a chance Span plays 30 games. Samarja has like a four and a half ERA. That's really messier. It's even worse than it sounds. Uh, you know, Samarja is like a fancier Ryan Vogel song in a way. And that Cueto gets injured. I mean, that that's those are all the worst case scenarios. Uh, and then the Giants threw money down a hole. And Matt Cain doesn't pitch well at all. It's money down a hole. Um, but that's the risk of every major league team. And so I, I maybe I'm in a, too much of an adult now, Doug, but I look at it and I go, <laughs> wow, that's, that's a nice, that's a great off season. That's a really nice off season. It, yeah, who, I mean, yeah, who I wanted and who they got is those are different things. The giants address their needs. Um, yeah. It's one of the things that it could look bad in retrospect, but every off season could look bad in retrospect. But knowing what we know now, these are these look like smart risks to take, and it seems like they did a really good job. And I'm really uncomfortable with that because I like complaining. <laughs> but on the other hand, <laughs> the, the Giants the... have won three World Series in, I guess, now six <laughs> years, and they do know what they're doing. Yeah, that's the whole point is that Bobby Evans has robbed us of our right to complain. So. <laughs> Damn you, Bobby Evans, but also thank you. Um, I, I say all this, I was going to find a cool transition point into the next point and topic, but forget it. You know, we talked about Brian Sabian steering the ship and, and how the Giants do stopgap measures. I mean, the most famous one is not going after Vladimir Guerrero, who is eligible for the Hall of Fame next year. So I will only be thinking of that Sabian quote about <laughs> how if they had pursued Guerrero, they couldn't have signed all the Flotsam and Jetsam that they got. Uh, next year, but I was reminded that he's eligible next year from this year's voting, which again, that's a very sloppy transition, but here we are. So Barry Bonds, uh, if you're listening, we're only going to talk about the Hall of Fame, not specifically about Bonds because I'm sick of hearing about it, and I'm <laughs> sure you are too. Uh, and there's nothing more to say on the topic. Barry Bonds didn't really get a voting boost, uh, and he's probably not going to make it on the writer's ballot, just the way it's trending. And who cares? At this point, who cares? The Hall of Fame is ridiculous. But what the Hall of Fame, but Jeff Kent's still writing in the low, in the low 10, in the low 15s or 20s. Uh, see, I didn't even pay attention because I don't really care that much. But he's still on the ballot is basically a Jeff Kent, former giant, as you know. Yeah. And, uh, and when I asked Doug about this off the air, I was like, well, how do we talk about this without covering the same ground? And Doug, you, you, had, a good, you had a good thought about that. Um, so yeah, Jeff Kent, probably not going to make it on the writer's ballot unless he gets a big surge. 
But they're also the guys who are at the bottom of the ballot, who every every year you see four or five of those guys who get one vote. So like David Eckstein got, I think, two votes this year and someone else got a vote and Garrett Anderson got a vote maybe. Um, the Giants guys never get those votes. Like Randy Wynn did not get a vote this year. Jason Schmidt did not get a vote whenever he was eligible. Ray Durham didn't get a vote. Even, you know, even Will Clark, who was a step above those guys for sure, he was off the ballot after one year. He didn't even hit 5%, while Don Mattingly, who was worse than Will Clark in every way, um, including facial hair. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he was, he didn't, he didn't make it, but he was on the ballot, I think for all 15 years. So I don't know if I want to go so far as to call it West coast bias, or it might just be West coast sports writers treating their obligations more seriously, but the giants do not ever get that sort of respect vote. Like the, uh, what Aaron Seeley a couple of years ago or about four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. There's never, there's never that one guy. (laughs) Uh yeah, I mean that's who would who would be some who would be some other famous giants that should have that if you were one of those ridiculous East Coast writers had thrown a a, a pity like what like Jose Uribe so, <laughs> that would be um, legitimately bad if <laughs> Uribe. that would be awful. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you could see. I mean, Pat Burrell's going to be eligible next year. He's, He's got to get a vote. Get He's got to get one vote, at least from the Philly side or something. Although yeah, that I, now you're throwing those votes away. Someone intentionally threw a vote away on David Eckstein this year. Right. Because you mean, can only vote for 10. That, so when you could vote for everybody, I could see that happening even more, which your question is even more pertinent. It's like, wait, you used to be able to vote for whoever you wanted, as many <laughs> as you wanted, and the Giants still didn't even get random votes. There wasn't even just that one vote guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I guess I should be fair. Bill Miller got four votes, but then he those was were all Boston votes. Red Sox. Yeah, those are all Boston yeah. votes. Um, Benito Santiago got a vote. Marquise Grissom got four votes. But lately, the guys who you think of as sort of career giants, they just don't. Like Kirk Reeder didn't get a vote. I'd have totally voted for Kirk Reeder when he was on the ballot. I don't care if it's unprofessional. He's Kirk Reeder. Kirk Reeder is great. Yeah. So Kirk Reader, I that that's probably be the leading guy, I would think. Yeah. So, uh but I mean just to talk but to circle back to the whole idea of Jeff Kent or even Will Clark or these smaller guys, you can expand it out to the whole hall of all the, the voting class. There's so much airtime available, there's so much you know, bandwidth available, websites, whatever it is. MLB has a television channel and a radio channel. You know, it has a website, it has whatever, it has a media empire. You could talk about all of these guys at length. I mean, that's really what the great part about the Hall of Fame is. Not that the writers sit on their butts for five years and don't do any research. So then when the voting comes up, they always act surprised every time when a candidate's available for the first time. Like, oh, uh," or like, you know, Tim Raines, like they've been sitting on their hands for so long and finally people are starting to take a notice about his ability, his candidacy. And it's just, you know, it's, they're so lazy and up their own, they're up their own asses half the time, uh, or navel gazing or whatever. And it's just, there's so many things you could talk about. We could talk about that. Jeff Kent is legitimately, he's, he's 
he's a borderline Hall of Famer, like, worthy of saying, like, really, we should focus in on this and go, is he a Hall of Famer? Like, not to consider intellectually, but to look at, compare the numbers, uh, his place in the history, his era, uh, and his position, and all the things that he did that, that make you go, okay, he should probably be getting more votes. Like, Alan Trammell is what the, the typical thing is like, oh, he played at the same time as Cal Ripken. So Cal Ripken got, Ripken got all the attention, even though Alan Trammell had an amazing career, and now he's not going to get in uh, and for another 20 years or whenever the Veterans Committee finally go <laughs> at it. And it's just like, it's ridiculous. These guys are more concerned with folding their arms and saying no or looking at the three or four main guys that they know, the name brands essentially, and and then that's it. And that's the most infuriating part of all of this. Like, I, I don't want to talk about Randy Wynn. I don't really care that <laughs> much. But he had such an amazing September after the Giants traded for him that it spurred them to sign him to an extension. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, <laughs> I remember that he was like the Giants' best offensive player, sadly, for the for for pretty much his entire time on the team, he was once traded for a manager, which is you know patently absurd. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of ridiculous things about Randy Wynn that we can talk about. A classy guy, he, he so spurred classy. spurred probably what top five greatest McCovey Chronicles images of all time, where he was photoshopped. They who photoshopped him into I'm the top that. hat and came. I would assume, but if you can find the image, it's an image of, <laughs> I'm thinking about it laughing right now. Uh, it's Randy Wynn, someone's photoshopped a top hat, monocle, and cane in place of a bat. <laughs> and it's in the middle of his swing, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. So he's a Hall of Famer in that regard. If you can make it into one of the most memorable images in the site's history, I feel like you've really right. crossed over there. Um, um, and also, yeah. Randy Wynn uh, never gotten it bad in the playoffs. Never gotten a bat in the playoffs, which to me, I see. It seems like the Joel Shermans of the world would be like, "That's a good reason not to vote for him." Not, not, I think that's a good reason to keep him out, not to even consider him. That's my Joel Sherman impression. He doesn't sound that weaselly, but he stutters a lot, and it's annoying. But that, yeah, and he never had, and that that's an interesting. So we've named like three or four very interesting factoids about Randy Wynn. And no one else did nationally. And he, he's not even historically known as a giant, right? I mean, I guess to us he is. But I, I think when people think of him, they think of him with the Rays. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I guess your larger point was that MLB Network has time to show highlights of every guy on the Hall of Fame ballot. Because everyone who, who's around long enough and who's significant enough to make that ballot is going to have a lot of highlights. They're going to have something interesting to happen in his career. And they just don't bother. Yeah, and they're and they're these are all guys who now that these highlights, you know, we're well into the twenty first century, especially with these new guys coming out. They have the footage, you know, they have footage from the last twenty years or the, these guys' career. So it's not like they can't find those key moments in games and show them uh, that help define who they are and and the interviews and everything. There's they have so much more information available for these newer candidates. I mean, you could do a whole special on Jeff on the on the shoving the fight right. in the dugout between Jeff Kent and Barry Bonds if you wanted to. It doesn't have to be an hour long special, but I mean that was an interesting season. And then Dusty Baker being like the most <laughs> Dusty Baker uh, just being like, "Well, how am I going to defuse this situation? Oh, I'm going to flip their their batting order," <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> and it totally worked. <laughs> 
Did you ever see the movie Doc Hollywood? <laughs> I didn't. No. Okay, it's a it's a pretty simple story. Like Michael J. Fox is a big city doctor and gets in a car crash in a country town, and I can't remember what happens to the doctor of that town. He dies or something. So Marty McFly, he become Michael J. Fox becomes the doctor of this town, and this kid is suffering from some sort of condition, and it's. He, and, and he's like, we got to get him to the hospital in the emergency room, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the doctor didn't die. The, I don't know what happened, but he's in the town. And he's like, oh, this kid's really sick. So they rush him to the emergency room. And then his, then the country doctor comes in and he's like, oh, he doesn't need an, an ambulance. And he basically cracks open a can of Coke and has the kid <laughs> drink it. And whatever the kid does, he like burps or whatever. And he's better. <laughs> so... so I don't remember what the key medical condition was, but it was something very severe. And it's just so like to me, that's that's uh, Dusty Baker in that moment being like, "Oh, you got two guys who hate each other and are fighting. Just flip their their spots in the batting order," <laughs> and, and that seemed to work. Um, but I mean, but you could do anything with these guys. You know, John Heyman, who I love as a as just like as a personality, this kind of weird. He's kind of like a dad in a way. But he's got like the dad jokes going on. But it's sort of a he's he doesn't seem closed off to the youth culture too much, but he's so unhip. Uh, but he loved Jack Morris. He was like banging the Jack Morris drum for his entire candidacy. Well, write a book about him, or do a special on him, or the the ten inning game that he pitched, all worthy of stuff. And that you know that could, in addition to all the hot stove talk, they could be doing all that stuff. I don't get yeah. it, man. I don't get it. <laughs> it seems like it's hours of easy content. And they're just that would also deepen the the appreciation viewers have for, you know, the history of the game and what those players meant. And they're just not bothering. It seems like they're just wanting they're just leaving it all to Ken Burns to document. Right. Uh, or anything Bob Costas feels like narrating. And that's it. And then they don't really they're generally not curious about anything else. Um, but there's there's just a lot of players all the time that we could talk. Like, David Eckstein getting a Hall of Fame vote is absurd uh, in a way, but if you look at sort of like what the Hall of Fame could mean to a lot of people, then I can see why someone would vote for him. It's silly. But also, it's like David Eckstein has so much attention. Had He had so much attention around him uh, in his entire playing career in a very specific way that I'm very surprised that they didn't do a special on that, that they didn't right. put something together. I mean, they did a special about the odd, like the odd couple of Bruce Bochy and Tim Flannery. And then that, that's basically been the only thing that MLB network has done. So, and they're not lacking for money, major league baseball, so they could do it. Um, but I mean, uh, what's your worst David Eckstein memory? Um, I mean, it's not a specific memory, but it seemed that when he was, especially when he was on the Padres, he would just have 15 pitch at bats every time he was at the plate. And yeah. it was just so annoying. Didn't he hit a home run? <laughs> he, he Probably. Hit, yes. I'm looking <laughs> at it right now. I remember it because I blacked it out. He hit a walk-off <laughs> home run against the Giants in the 10th oh. inning. God. Uh, I swear to God, I thought this was a one nothing game, <laughs> but there, that was 2010. That was the season where every Giants Padres game was, was water torture. I'm okay. playing so much. Type of it was, hold on. It's two to two. That ball hit deep. <laughs> that was a <laughs> deal down in the corner. And it's a home run. 
that was a one that was a one in one pitch. Uh, Jeremy Affelt was pitching, <laughs> and then David Eckstein hit it off the Western Metal Supply Building. Oh my God! Twenty <laughs> twenty ten, folks. That was a uh, that yeah. That was that was why them defeating the Padres uh, in the in that weekend, last weekend of the season, was such a big deal because it was pulling teeth every game against them. Every game <laughs> against them. Every game. It, Which was a credit uh, to the Padres, I feel like, because th- th- when they collapsed, it was like, okay, that's the Padres we were expecting. But when they played the Giants, they were they were just this impossible team to beat uh, somehow. Um that's a bad segment right there. I hope I delete this during the edit. We'll see. Uh, so Hall of Fame, that's that's my voting about it. If go go big or go home, MLB. Stop the whining and the whole like you're grown men who had at least five years to think about these things and this whole appealing to authority about oh I need more guidance on how to vote for these guys. You have all the guidance you need. Stop whining and do more than what you're doing. That's it. So, if you have a platform to show people who these guys were, you're not using it, start using it. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to our Twitter questions. So I guess we, since we were just talking about the Hall of Fame, the one we should start with is uh, from at San Diego Giants, David XF. Which current Giant has the best chance of making the Hall of Fame, with the exception of Posey or Mad Bum? Mm, that's, that's a tough question. In my in my mental calculus of things, uh, I don't see Matt Duffy projecting out to that. I don't see Brandon Crawford projecting out to that, and I don't. I think Hunter Pence is far enough along in his career that he is who he is, which I don't think is a Hall of Famer. Right. Um, so now I'm thinking about pitching wise, and I'm still coming up blank there. I mean, but I guess the question is most likely. Oh, go ahead. So, so I think the most likely, and I'm not saying this is likely, is that uh, I think more likely than Joe Panic or Matt Duffy, you know, hitting 320 for 15 years, is Matt Cain rediscovering what made him Matt Cain. I don't think that's especially likely to happen, but that's probably the best chance that any of the non-Posey or Bumgarners have. All right, so you're you're pitching a comeback for Matt Cain. I'm not necessarily pitching it. I'm just saying as a Hall of Fame path, he has so much of it done already that that's sort of the best chance. Oh, that's tough. Uh, I mean, because what what we would like to think that it would be Crawford and yeah. or Belt. And I just don't <laughs> I just don't, I don't even remotely see that happening at all. Uh, I mean, Craw- Crawford's more likely than Belt, I think. But sure, sure. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely not Angel Pagan. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, I guess though. that's the that's pro- I mean, just on its face, that Casilla is nowhere near any sort of saves uh, record or anything like that. So I, I can't. Yeah, I can't. That, that's a great question that has no answer. <laughs> the answer <laughs> the answer is none uh, of the current Giants, really. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll back your Matt Cain rediscovering his form and basically for the next six or seven years being a consistent aggregator. Yeah. And he has a perfect game to his record, and, and that, that works as well. Okay, what's the next question? From at Kizar Soze, 
Okay. Uh, Kizar Soze on Twitter. More annoying fan base, Cubs or Cardinals? Well, Grant came over the top with this and said Giants fans. <laughs> so I'm kind of inclined to agree with that. <laughs> um, I guess for the purposes of this show, we shouldn't say that. <laughs> well, I will say that we probably find Giants fans mo- most annoying because we deal with them so often. So we see the annoying ones. Yeah. You know, we see the general Cardinals fans and we see the general Cubs fans and they're really annoying. They're really annoying. Cubs fans are annoying too, though. And they, to me, the fact that Cubs fans were annoying while the team was abjectly terrible <laughs> trends as when they, now that they're good, they could get more obnoxious. But see, the thing with the Cubs thing is that they they hate the Cardinals fans too. So to me, it seems like Cardinals fans still went out. I, I think Cardinals fans do win out right now. I'll say that if the Cubs win a World Series at some point, they then Cubs fans are going to be it by a lot. Yeah, they've got to like, beat the Cardinals to really – they'll claim two crowns in, um, in that defeat. It's it's like when, when Red Sox fans were kind of annoying and then 2004 happened – and they were just like, oh. Oh, and then two, by after 2007, it was just pedal to the metal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'd, I'd say the Cubs fans will be a similar thing. Probably a little bit more just because I feel like more people like Chicago than like, like Boston. So you'll get more Cubs fans coming out of the woodwork, and it'll be even worse. Oh, people love Chicago, and they're never yeah. in Chicago when they tell you that. <laughs> Which, as long as I've been to L.A., everyone who's come here from Chicago is like, oh, Chicago's amazing. It's great. It's so much better than L.A. And it's like, <laughs> so you're just visiting, right? And like, no, I'm, I'm here. So it's got to be the cold. I would imagine it's the cold. Yeah, uh, one question that I have, or the last question I see here, well, there's two from old, at Old Jacket. What did you eat for lunch? Well, we haven't eaten. I haven't eaten lunch yet. It's, it's in the morning. No. It's 1030 right now. I know what I am having for lunch and I'm very excited. It's the last day I can use these. We just opened coupons, uh, coupons from, uh, Jersey Mike's. (laughs) So I'm very excited to use that coupon. There you go. That's the, that's the John Heyman response. I feel like that's the response (laughs) you would get. I I don't know what I'm having for lunch. Oh, okay. We'll get on that. Uh, the other question he had was again, at old jacket, also, at some point, are you just going to spend an entire podcast reminiscing about Eugenio Velez? Uh, I am considered that because Eugenio Velez, to me, was always going to be... Um, he was always a comedic afterthought. <laughs> and then, <laughs> while he played, like, the, the concept of him, and just watching him a little bit, like, in spring training or whatever, I'm like, this guy, no way. And now, and then he kept playing, and it's like, this is hilarious. Right. Uh, but I guess we could, there's a lot of elements to talk about his, his ridiculous hot streak and then his ridiculous, not getting a hit streak, even though that was with another team. And I mean, then, that was with the Dodgers, which yeah, makes it even yeah. better than his hot streak. Uh, the thing is it happens that quote, uh, <laughs> I had his, to be focused. I yeah, was focused. Yep. Yeah, his concussion, which is pretty severe. Um, I don't know. He's got a lot of his, his weird dancing when the Giants yes. on the monster. <laughs> The way he was in every photo in 2010, somehow. Uh, so there's a lot of things to talk about. I mean, he also represents that that era of Giants prospects, which uh, Emmanuel Burris has picked up that torch. 
of like the switch hitting slap hitter that the Giants are like, this is exactly what every major league team needs. Never mind that he's not actually good. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of it there. We just reminisced about him. I guess the to me, it's just he's a source. He's a punchline. He's a source of humor. I guess every team needs that though, right? It's always, it's always it helps to break up a long season. Yeah, I mean the. 2000 he was around a little bit in 2008 some in 2009 that was when he had his hot streak and you know 2008 was a pretty bad year and he i remember him hitting like a triple in san diego and kruko was raving about him i was like really one triple (laughs) and then he had that it was literally a five game hot streak like he was okay for another week or two after that but for five games he hit like 600 in 2009 and he started for two months because of that Uh, I think that's basically it. There we go. We've covered. Yeah. We Gino. probably don't have an entire podcast of that. No. Also, sometimes he was called Gino Velez, which I actually kind of liked, but it sound, sounded weird after you spent all that time learning how to say Eugenio. So, <laughs> and that just someone comes in with like Gino Velez. I'm like, oh, that's way better. Should have learned that first. Uh, so now let's go into this, this ill-formed game that I have. The, the game of the week is, uh, it's New Year's resolutions. It's 2016, as you all know. And what are the New Year's resolutions for some of the Giants players? Uh, this is going to be tricky because I've only given this five seconds of thought. <laughs> <laughs> and and prior to starting this recording, Doug and I agreed to who the last person was going to be. So I'll give you the last the last uh, name. I'll go with the first name. And the first name I have, uh, this seems like it'll be really easy right up the middle here. Uh, Joe Panic. What's Joe Panic? What should his New Year's resolution be? Uh, just to keep that icy hot on his back. That's keep you know, keep it good, keep it loose, keep it warm. Don't uh, maybe don't stand up more than you have to. Also. Well, just you know, that's good. I, I'm going to get more specific here, and I'm going to say. Less sitting, more yoga. He more tweeted, yoga. He tweeted the other day that he and his wife were looking for a new show to binge watch. And I cringed when I saw that because I was thinking, oh, you're going to be sitting. <laughs> you, know, you can't sit sit for too long and you certainly shouldn't stand for too long. So I hope he's doing some sort of stretching or or yoga or whatever. Some people say it hurts your back. I think it's because you're using muscles you don't usually use. You're strengthening stuff that you're not actually using very often. So they say if you have a bad back, you shouldn't do yoga. But I think if you're healthy, if you've been cleared to play, you should start doing yoga then so you can strengthen some stuff so your core is stronger and you're less likely to injure your back. Because Joe Panic's back, to me, is the biggest lineup issue for this season. Seriously. Right. We're like... The the lineup looks excellent right now on paper, but we're one Joe Panic back injury away from an Ari Adrianza second base situation. Right, right. He is actually the one who's picked up the torch and ran. It went it went uh, <laughs> Burris Velez or Velez Burris and then Adrianza. There we go. Um, to, to be fair to Adrianza, he's like, well, it was that or Cody Ransom, so he made the right call. <laughs> that is absolutely true. That's true. No one wants to be Cody Ransom. Uh, the, yeah, so they, yeah, because I'm expecting some negative regression for Matt Duffy, although uh, that is that is kind of a way of undercutting Matt Duffy a little bit. I'm really impressed by 
his makeup, as the scouts would say, and his ability <laughs> to adjust. He slumped only a little bit, and I just feel like if he, he finds himself overmatched early on, he might be able to get back on track. But, you know, again, I think it's a second full season. I kind of expect a bit of the traditional sophomore slump a little bit. Um, and Joe Panic, he could slump. He could be back and healthy, but still slump as well. That's a possibility. I guess I'm just thinking, like, they're both sort of very good contact hitters. I don't expect both of them to. But, again, that's part of the worst-case scenario for the Giants is if that happened. Um, anyway, all right, so there's Joe Panic. Who you got for me? Okay, so we, I've got a leaf blower guy coming in now. He usually comes much later, and, of course, today – is coming now. So if you're hearing this in the background, great. You get to hear the leaves being cleaned. Uh, anyway, so who do you got for me? Who's the next one? I'm going to say Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt. His New Year's resolution should be to get angrier. I think okay. he should cut out some of the jolliness from his game, from his public persona. I think he should be a little edgier, and it, it could be a little bit of an act. I think it's okay with that, uh, because I feel like with Brandon Belt, the injury stuff is such bad luck, and that has obviously been such a detriment to his number aggregation. He's a good Major League Baseball player. I just feel like he gets it, he's a Major League Baseball player, not just, and he gets uh, unfairly criticized. And I'm one of those people that occasionally, I love Brandon Belt. I think he's a Major League Baseball player. He should be the Giants' first baseman. If they're so concerned with putting Belt or Posey at first, then he should play left field more, whatever. High on base, good power. Yeah, he strikes out. He doesn't make as much contact as you'd like. But whatever, he's 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 great. He's what the Giants need. I definitely think his streaks prolong themselves for various reasons. He looks really bad at the plate a lot of the time. That makes me go, there's something that might be able to be fixed there. And I know the Giants, we've read many articles about what the Giants have tried to do with him and how they've changed their approach and all that stuff. Brandon Belt, personality-wise, has stayed the same. So that's why I'm saying, like, okay... Maybe don't change your game up so much as maybe just act like a little bit more of a dick. Be a little less <laughs> open to the press, a little less friendly, a little less fun, and maybe that will cause some sort of mental focus to, to shorten the streaks. I guess I'm getting at is change up his persona a little bit, give himself a bit of an edge. Maybe wear a leather jacket more often. <laughs> something something like that. That's that's my New Year's resolution for Brandon Belt. You want to take the goofiness out. He's... He's getting closer to 30 now. you got to start you know, extracting some of the goofiness. You know, I don't know. I like having our own kind of Sean Casey on the team. I think it's fun. Though, you know, bringing in the edge, not that bad of an idea. Maybe right. you should buy a motorcycle. Right. Yeah, mean, okay. so this is – okay, so this is good. Uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm evolving my point. Yes, motorcycle. Keep going. <laughs> I have a thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he should buy a motorcycle. He should, you know – it would be cooler and more edgy to, to ride it without a helmet. He should absolutely have a helmet on. He has yeah, enough absolutely. head injuries. Absolutely. But, but I, think just, uh, I, I think just the motorcycle will be a big step for him, and it'll help him get that sort of a little bit of an angry edge, and it'll help his, his baseball playing ability. Yeah, it'll, just, it'll put a different look in pitchers' minds of who he is. But what I was getting at when you said motorcycle and the leather jacket, what if he just – turned into the Fonz. <laughs> what if that, what, it, what if it's just Brandon Belt's idea of what edgy is? So then, then I could deal with that. Like if he just became somebody right. else. <laughs> I think that'd be great. 
<laughs> so his New Year's resolution should be to be the Fonz. So yeah. Okay. Uh, the next one is uh, what should Bruce Bochy's New Year's resolution be? He's a, he's won three World Series. He's going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's got new players, all with injury flags or performance flags, and he's got a lineup with some regression flags or injury flags as well. Uh, he still he doesn't have Tim Flannery for another year, so there's some growing pains there. But what should his what should his news hmm. be? He wrote a book last year. He um, did. I, I, you know what? I think he should write another book. Last year he wrote about walking. Yeah. Right? Yep. This year I think he should write about fishing. Bruce Bochy on fishing. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. You know what that book would be about? All the places where he's gone fishing. That's what yeah. the book would be about. <laughs> uh, all right. So he should write another book. All right. Um, yeah. I think he should lean into, now that we've lifted the embargo on Cuba, I think we should, he should really lean into the cigar smoking. Oh, that's a good call. And I, I know that, that you don't want to show that for, for kids or whatever, but I, I, at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, and the normal major league baseball game, they're advertising beer and boner pills. Right. Uh, I think you can do cigars. Yeah, just, um, just just get a little bit of Jim Leland in there. That's right. That's right. Not not a ton, but just that's enough right. that you're like, all right, that's yeah. Right. Like it would be cool if he 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 advertised like if he uh, was a spokesperson for some cigars for some Cubans. <laughs> you know, he's like, when I'm scouting Cubans, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. All right, who you got for me? All right, are we are we wrapping it up or if you want, if you've got other things to do, if you need to think about lunch, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that was sad. <laughs> so, so sad. All right, how about if, if if we're talking about you know guys who aren't playing? How about Bobby Evans? Bobby Evans, Bobby Evans' New Year's resolution. Well, first, just you know, Bobby Evans has had a heck of a of a calendar year the last 365 days so i think his new year's resolution should be bobby evans new year's resolution should be to at all times uh whenever given a chance to talk up the dodgers even more because it will pay off when the giants are leading the division by five games okay and if it if the giants are they don't win the division and they're losing then it just puts more expectations on the Dodgers no matter what. If even someone in their own division is saying like, well, you know, it's tough to compete when you've got the smartest guys on the planet working down there and the Dodgers are five games back or they're five games ahead and you just keep putting in there. It's like, you know, and you've got, I think you should do that. That should be his New Year's resolution is that Bobby Evans should continue this, this march towards uh, being very quiet about what he's going to do. So um, I, that's I a agree. bad one, I think, but I don't have it. I don't have anything else. I think when he's specifically talking about the Dodgers, he should be kind of passive aggressive, but not enough that you're for, that you're like sure that that's what he's doing. So when he talks about, well, you know, it's tough to compete when we only have two GMs in our front office and they have twelve. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so that should be it. Uh, okay, 
All right, that wasn't as good as as the other ones, but uh, that's <laughs> that's my fault. Uh, let's see if we can get it back on track here. Uh, what should what should Tim Lincecum's New Year's resolution be? Ooh, that is rough. Yeah, because because my my everything in in me is screaming at me to say, "Don't come back to the Giants." <laughs> okay, that's good. His resolution <laughs> should be to change his patterns. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, he, he had some success here, and he he tried to keep it going, and it didn't work. And so I think it's just time for a fresh start. So don't come back to the Giants would be the best resolution for Tim Lincecum. <laughs> go elsewhere. If you're going to be good, go far elsewhere. Go to the American League Central or something. I'm sure one of them needs a pitcher. But don't don't be here. I can't even because this think, isn't going to go well for anyone. I can't even think of a team where he makes any sense. <sighs> the I, Rockies, maybe. I can't picture him. I mean, I guess a changeup would work there, but his belt high fastball would not. Um, the, the Mariners, I guess. I don't know if they have I, spot. If they have room in their rotation. I don't think Jerry Depoto is. Yeah, exactly. It's like, why would we get Lincecum when we have all this? But if he came in as a reliever, I think there's some options. I don't know. I kind of see maybe the Padres going like, you know what? We don't like being on the end of Tim Lincecum. Maybe he works better there. Um, maybe maybe his stuff plays even better at Petco. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, I, I'm going to second that news resolution. Don't come back to the Giants. Change up your life. You had a lot of success. I was going to say before you said yours, I'm like, he should probably smoke more weed. Because if he's if he's in any sort of pain that could that could diminish it, he could really get a performance boost from just not feeling so much pain. That's true. It's a good point. <laughs> All right, last one. All right, so last one. What should Angel Pagan's resolution be? Angel Pagan. This is the big one, folks. Uh, I I'm kind of I love Angel Pagan, but I'm starting to dislike him because of the proxy of his not moving off of center field. But that's such an easy resolution. He should resolve to be more flexible. I think Angel Pagan would think himself very flexible already, uh, <laughs> but in a different way, of course. Um, I, and then I'm trying to think from a game standpoint. I don't know. He, I think he takes pitches, and I think he, he changes his approach at the plate if he needs to, and he's good at battling with slumps. He plays hard. I I never look at him and say he's not trying. Uh, he's clearly, you know, he's a professional athlete, and I never doubt that for a second. Um, Aaron Rowan, I really did. I really didn't understand what he was doing, wearing a uniform a lot of the time. So I don't make that one to one comparison. I, I don't right. think he's in that that class. Um, uh, Angel Pagan, his New Year's resolution should be to lighten up. Okay. I think he's, what, he's 34, he's going to be 35. You know, he knows his best days are behind him. That doesn't mean he's not going to have any other moments going forward or that he's still not going to be, I don't, like, I don't hear anyone saying he's not a good, like, he has no value at all. I think he has value. Uh, I just don't think he should be either a full-time player or playing center field. <laughs> uh, definitely not center field. So I would say lighten up. Uh, take a step back and and this assess the ego. I wish it was something funnier, but I, I guess having a sense of humor is something we all need. I need it sometimes. 
I'm sure not you, Doug. You're perfect, but I mean, like everyone needs a sense of humor sometimes. It really helps put <laughs> things in perspective. He's getting paid ten million dollars this year. He's gonna get a job next year. That's not an issue. And he's gonna play this year. So, I mean, things could be worse. Yeah, um, I think lighten up is a is a good good one for him. You know, he's he seems like he gets really intense, and maybe he needs that on the field, but maybe he needs something else in the clubhouse. Maybe it'll help him with the ego, help him adjust to left field, which we're all desperately hoping he plays this year yeah and if he and, can play uh, a great left field that that would be great too you know it's not yeah. gonna be travis ishikawa out there uh, <laughs> or, or even michael morris is not gonna be those guys yeah no he should be good out there he should be at least decent out there so let's hope and i think you know the fans like him the team likes him i think it's just that issue when they ask him to do something he's a little uncomfortable with and he gets he kind of allegedly throws hissy fits or gets really petulant about it, that that's, there's a problem. So if that's the only thing he has to change is basically stepping outside of himself for a minute. I feel like that's that's a resolution that you can keep practicing all year, and it's not going to – you're not going to feel like you've wasted time. You know, people make that resolution, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to lose weight, and then like six months later they're either not going to the gym or they put on more weight or whatever it is. But it seems like self. this is a self-improvement thing that can last a lifetime, especially since he's going to have to make this adjustment at some point. He's not going to play baseball forever. So, And we're not going to podcast forever, Doug. How about that okay. transition? We're not going to podcast <laughs> forever. We're going to be back next week, though, with our first guest. So if you've, been, if you've stuck with us this long, we are adding guests into the mix. And our next guest, our first guest, will be the Internet's greatest baseball writer and uh, – and one of the greatest human beings ever, right after Doug, our own Grant Brisby. He will be he will be our first guest, uh, and he will be joining us to tell us how bad we've been as a podcast, as a croncast. And, <laughs> and and he'll say it's okay though that fits in with the site. That's right. Uh, so thanks for listening. I'm Brian Murphy on Twitter at every sixth day. I'm Doug Brizzoni on Twitter at Moonwalk McFly. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year.